0: Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, September the 13th, in the year of our Lord, 2020. 20 what? 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're taking a look on Wednesdays, the Book of Proverbs by Solomon. However, we're getting into a section which is entitled, More Words of Wise People. Well, what is this talking about? Most of the book of Proverbs is inspired by the Holy Spirit and written by Solomon. However, occasionally, and we've seen this in one other time, he will borrow words of wisdom From the world and make them biblical. And this is what we're going to be looking at today. We're looking at Proverbs chapter 24, and it begins with verse 23, entitled More Words of Wise People. Now, you may know of a lot of people who have wisdom in certain areas. For example, a a farmer. Jesus uses this. He talks about a shepherd who really loves his sheep. And when one of them gets lost, what does he do? He goes out and finds the sheep, puts it on his shoulders, and carries it home. See, that's a wise shepherd, and Jesus uses that as an example of how we are brought into the kingdom of heaven. We are lost sheep. Because of original sin, we sin a lot, and yet God comes, picks us up, puts our sins on the cross, pays for them, and brings us home. So there's an example of a wise farmer or shepherd who takes care of his sheep, his cattle, his crops, and can be used in comparison to the kingdom of heaven. So what Solomon is doing there, he begins verse 23, these also are sayings of the wise. So the way you understand this is these are sayings that Solomon has heard from other people, but he adopts them and helps us to understand that these are also sayings from God himself. The first three verses 23, 24, 25, really are talking about those in judgment of others. We we talked about this last week, that a fool may go to the gate of the city, but he's not listened to, because a fool is an unbeliever, and he does not have wisdom. Well, this is talking about the judges at the gate of the city who make pronouncements over issues that are brought to them. And the end of verse 23 says, partiality in judging is not good. Now, what does that mean? Well, when these judges are making decisions they shouldn't do it on the basis of partiality. For example, well, this is a cousin of mine who broke the law, so I'm not going to really make him pay for it because he's a friend of mine. Now, we may see this in all kinds of situations. If you are to administer justice, you cannot show partiality. You cannot give some people a understanding that, well, what you're doing is okay. In fact, that's brought up in verse 24. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed. By peoples, abhorred by nations. Now, here's where you need a a pastor who has some understanding of the original language. The word for curse here is the strongest word for cursing used in the entire Bible. There are other words that in the Hebrew and the Greek mean curse but this is a real curse by God himself. And he's saying, you're a judge, you're maybe being asked for advice from somebody, and you say about the wicked, they are in the right. Well, God curses you for saying that, And before long, the people will understand that you are partial to the wicked. And therefore, you will be cursed by peoples and abhorred or denounced by nations. That's what happened, of course, with King Saul. Because he made judgments in time that were contrary to the word of God, contrary to God himself. Remember, he tried to kill David because he was jealous that after David killed Goliath and then dispersed the Philistines, the women began to sing a hymn. Saul has killed his thousand but David has killed his ten thousands. And of course, that made Saul angry at David, jealous of David, because he was giving more credit than Saul was in fighting the battle. Verse 26, and those who rebuke the wicked will have delight and a good blessing will come upon them. Once more, we're talking about people who are giving advice, who may be judging. And when somebody comes to you and says, is it wrong? And then they talk about some activity that is contrary to the word of God. And you do not become like John the Baptizer and rebuke the wicked, well then you will be cursed by God himself. But those who properly rebuke the wicked will have delight. That that means in a church, for example, uh, a pastor may hesitate to rebuke the wicked because Maybe he's related to them, or they're good givers, or whatever. But in refusing to rebuke the wicked, their wickedness increases. But if he rebukes them, and they repent of what they are doing, then that is a delight to the pastor. It is pleasant to the pastor. And the second part of verse 25 says, and a good blessing will come upon those who rebuke the wicked. Now, that's very obvious when we're talking about parents of young children. Remember, children are born with original sin. We've said this a number of times. Therefore, they need to be trained in the understanding of God and his wisdom. That sometimes may mean a punishment, like they're not allowed to watch their favorite TV programs or be on the basketball team at church or whatever. But parents need to discipline their children so that they become disciples of Jesus. So therefore, a parent who rebukes his disobedient child will have delight in the house as the child learns not to be disobedient. And a good blessing will come upon the house. 26. Whoever gives an honest answer Kisses the lips. Now, what does that mean? Well, Solomon has recognized that in a court situation, people will be witnesses. And if they give honest answers, that is really kissing the lips, which refers in James chapter 2 as the most intimate expression of love now you see this in movies all the time man and woman go out on a date and maybe at the end of the date the woman is going alone into her house but before she leaves what does the man do does he kiss her hand does he kiss her feet no he kisses her lips And and that is the most intimate expression of love in many cultures. And that's when a man gives an honest answer in a situation. And that honest answer may come about where somebody is asking advice. And an honest answer is given. 27. Again, Solomon is using wisdom he hears from other people in the world. And here's what he says. Prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. Now, what's he talking about? He's saying, you want to build a house? Well, first of all, make sure that you've got everything ready for yourself in the field. Now, he's talking in this case with farmers. Can, can you imagine a farmer decides to build a house, but he doesn't have maybe sufficient money, his crops aren't properly sown, and so therefore he's not ready really to do the building of a house. First, get everything ready for yourself in the field. So he's talking to his son. Son, you, you may want to have certain possessions or a nice house, but your task, first of all, is to get ready for yourself in the field. After that, build your house. God did that with David. David. David, of course, had become victorious over the people of Canaan who were sacrificing their children to their gods and worshiping false gods. And David wanted to build a house for the Lord. And at first, Nathan said, Well, go ahead, let's do that. But then God came to Nathan, the prophet, and told him, No, you go tell David, I'm going to wait until. Solomon is born and grows up, becomes king. He will build the house. So the work of David was to get peace in the land of Canaan. And after that, then Solomon would build the house of God, the holy temple. Verse 28 goes back to a court situation. Be not as a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Now, this is an extension of verse 26, that is to give an honest answer. And so, if you're in a court case, what do they call it when you give a witness against your neighbor but you don't have a cause to do that. It's called perjury. And you can even be put in jail or fined money when you commit perjury in a court case. It's deceiving with your lips. Now, the prosecutor has to have the evidence that you have been a witness against your neighbor without a cause. But Solomon is using this wisdom from other people because he has taken a look at the world and he sees that those who do not give an honest answer, that those who are a witness against their neighbor without cause, that that is really sinful. And therefore, he's giving good advice, which is advice from God himself. You want to be able to build your house? You want to have peace in the house? You want to have a pleasant house? Well, then give an honest answer. Do not deceive with your lips. When you deceive with your lips, then you're in trouble with God. Verse 29 continues what God wants to say. Do not say, Solomon says, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. Now, why is God against that? because that is called revenge. We, as believers in Christ, are not permitted to take revenge against someone. Why? Well, we have a Bible verse from Matthew. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I am the one who will repay. And and so... To get even with someone rather than using the means that God has given us can get you in big trouble. For example, how many people shoot someone because they're angry with them, and then they're arrested for shooting them because they shot them in circumstances where they were not permitted to do so? they instead should have gone to the police, reported the crime, and let God bring vengeance upon the person through the police, the courts, the judge, the warden, and maybe prison or a fine. So do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. No. In fact, Jesus has another statement. If your enemy is hungry, give him food. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. And we've said that this happened during the World Wars, where nurses who were with the Allied would also serve the enemy when they were wounded and help them to become healed. That's how God looks at things. So Solomon learns by looking at the world to come up with items that God encourages. That's what verse 30 is talking about. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of, of a man lacking sense. Now, here again, what Solomon is doing is he's using events in life to make a point about how God thinks. And the circumstance is that he's walking by the field of a sluggard. Now, what is a sluggard? that is a lazy person. So in a sense, Paul is still talking to his son, just like God the Father is talking to us. Are you lazy? Do you not have sense? Now, this would be talking in the religious field about an unbeliever. They do not have sense. Remember, they're not welcome at the gate of the city because when they talk, they don't make any sense. And a sluggard would be someone who is lazy. He's giving the task to prepare the field, but he doesn't do it properly. He doesn't properly sow the field. He doesn't properly take care of the field and making sure there's enough water. So. What does Solomon see when he passes by the field of a lazy person, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense? What he sees is verse 31. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Now, we travel a lot in Illinois to the churches I'm serving. And it's really quite amazing to me how many farms we go by where the barns are just falling apart. There's walls that are missing. The the wood isn't painted properly. They still have items in the barn because you can see through openings. And then right across the street from that barn is another farm that has brand new garages. They look wonderful. In other words, the person who owns the one barn is not taking care of his farm. He lacks sense. Maybe he's lazy it says it is all overgrown with thistles covered with nettles now those are weeds now the word that can be translated it is all overgrown with thorns we don't really know what plant solomon is talking about there the the same plant is talked about in isaiah 34 verse 13 and Hosea 9, verse 6, but you may have seen people's front yards like that. You have one house that has a beautiful lawn, and you have a next house that is overgrown with weeds, and so the process is to take care of those weeds by either damaging them with some kind of fertilizer to put them to death so the grass can grow. But it's a tough job. And its stone wall was broken down. That's because the stone walls differentiated who owned what field. And if the stone wall was broken down, then other people could be coming into your field and growing things that should have been yours, but they take it. Then Solomon uses the personal pronoun I in the next verse. Then I saw and I considered it, I looked and I received instruction. What's Paul talking? What's Solomon talking about here? He he's talking about the fact that when he takes a look at a field that's overgrown with thorns and nettles and the stone wall is broken down, he learns a lesson that lazy people need to get back to work and finish preparing their fields before they decide to build their house. Now, why are they doing that? Verse 33 and 34 explain it. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Now, Solomon's talking about, yes, there's a farmer who says, well, I know I'm supposed to go out at six in the morning and make sure the cattle are okay and sow the seed, but I want a little more sleep. I want a little more slumber. I need to fold my hands to rest. What is the result that Solomon sees in the world? Verse 34, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. That verse is simply saying that if you are a sluggard and you lack sense in building your vineyard or in building your home, and we're talking not about just a house but a family. poverty can come upon you like a robber. and all of a sudden, you will be in need and you will have want because it appears like an armed men have taken away your possessions. We'll be continuing with proverbs in taking a look at more words of wise people that Solomon recognizes as important from God's point of view. Join us tomorrow for another Law & Gospel. God bless you.